This episode of the Yester World podcast is in part sponsored by all of my amazing patrons. And if you want to help support the making of future content, please check out my Patreon and shop in the description below. And if you enjoy the video, make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Yester World podcast. So normally I do like a sort of pre-discussion with my guests. Uh, in this case, it's Rob from Rob Plays. And then after a while, then we begin the actual podcast and I do the intro and all that. But our sort of pre-discussion just merged into the actual theme park topics. So there's not going to be the typical intro and it's just going to jump right into the topics of the podcast. So all that being said, I hope you enjoy. But one thing I wanted to add, or bring up, because uh, we haven't talked, you know, I've talked a lot with like TPM and Dan and Kevin about like, you know, theme park changes and opinions and all that. But we've never really talked all that much um, about that kind of stuff. And I was watching a video last night. Uh, someone had posted, I don't know how they got it. They're probably fired, but um, they were walking through the great oh, movie right. ride. Yeah, I saw that. And I, I downloaded it and I grabbed every picture. I'm like, this is going to get taken <laughs> off. So how did you feel about the attraction as it was? Are you happy they got rid of it? Are you sad they got rid of it? Should it have been updated? What are your thoughts around the great movie ride as a whole? That's a good question. Like, I loved it. Growing up, I I had this love-hate relationship with it when I was really little because the alien scene scared me oh, to yeah. death. <laughs> but I also loved going into it for some weird reason like i was scared of the xenomorph but i loved being in a sci-fi spaceship i love sci-fi in general right. um and i loved being in the movies so like i grew up really enjoying it i did feel like these past few years it desperately needed at the very least an update like i think it was showing its age big time um and i i think what was smart with what they did and at least I, this is how i recall they did it maybe i have the dates wrong but i feel like they announced its closure along with the announcement of what was coming, which is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And uh, one, I like the idea of there being a Mickey Mouse ride. We've never really had one of those, a proper one. And the fact that it's based on the new animated shorts, which I love. Like, I own them all on iTunes, even though you could get them all for free online. Just because I wanted – it was one of those, like, I want to support them. I want them to make more of these. So, like, that that was one of those moments where it was bittersweet because I did enjoy the ride. And I think it could have gone on with just a total refurb. But because they were able to tease us with, like, this is what's coming. And that was something that I very much am looking forward to and, and have a lot of uh, expectations towards – really soften the blow to the point where like I don't mind that it's gone and that's kind of like my stance on a lot of rides which is mm -hmm. if I've built these memories up over the years especially today we have the technology where there's you know a 4k 360 ride through of it that I can go back to I'm more willing to let it go as long as whatever replaces it is worthy and so I think in a lot of the cases of the things that have closed recently, we don't have the replacement yet. So we don't know whether or not it's going to be worthy. But I'm I'm like kind of a glass is half full. Like, we'll see. You know, I, I think more often than not, you get something that is a better replacement than, you know, like a Stitch's Great Escape or something where, you know, it was a downgrade. So and I've noticed that a lot about your I like that outlook because and I tend to have the more negative side because I tend <clears throat> tend to have that like when uh, Tower of Terror turned into the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy I was <laughs> upset 
I mean, a lot of people were. Yeah. But a, a lot of the things, and I've talked, me and Kevin have talked about this as well, but you know, you have to think of it from the business side. So a lot of that's where I come in, where I try to understand like, okay, it's a smart business move. It's, I may not agree with it because I think, and it's a whole other topic, but I, my problem with the Marvel stuff is it's popular now, but I wonder mm. if in like 10 years, 15 years, you know, I don't really like the idea of just swapping out theming, like with whatever's popular, like, oh, this is popular now. Let's swap out Guardians of the Galaxy and make it whatever. I mean, I've seen ride videos and it looks like they did a really incredible job. Like the queue is incredible. The ride looks really fun. I haven't been to Disneyland since it changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand in certain aspects. And I guess with Great Movie Ride, I, I was really torn. For me personally, I'm not a fan. Maybe I actually have to watch the show, but I'm not really a fan of that kind of animation style of the, mm-hmm. maybe I'm, I sound like an old fart, but it's like, I, I, I like the old school Mickey style. And so if they were going to do the, the concept of the ride, the new, whatever's replacing it, that I'm okay with. Like I miss the great movie ride. Cause I love movies and I love being immersed in like all the classics. So I think it either needed a major refurbishment or something brand new. And I kind of just knew they weren't going to spend the money to make to update it the way it needed to be but i'm just not a fan of that that style of animation and the, the new mickey cartoons and again maybe i have to actually watch it maybe i'm judging a book by its cover because i i've never been a fan of that super flat you know no dimension um art style sure yeah i mean it's a big it's a i think when it comes to the aesthetics it really ends up being that subjective like it, it either it's a style that you dig or you don't and i there are tons of people especially goofy in particular oh yeah. he's one of the characters that i think has been the most uh polarizing with people where they're like oh he, he's just kind of gross and he's like this weird hobo goofy yeah he looks like and, his he's like discolored yeah it's like green. It, he's it's very like off-putting uh, there's something about it i think what grabbed me about the show i mean i did like the art style i i do think it's kind of beautiful but that's subjective i think what really kept me watching was it is a very witty snappy Mm. fast humor to it that i think is pretty funny uh but you you touched upon a point back there that i think is a really interesting one that i kind of love trying to pull myself out of to look at which is you know will marvel be popular in 10 years Mm-hmm. Well, Guardians, like we're getting two Guardians right. attractions now. Is Guardians even going to be a thing? But I think the real question that I like asking is, will putting these rides in help it stay a thing? Like, is there an element to say, like, you know, a lot of people, I think when Guardians was first announced, said, well, it's it didn't earn it. It's not a classic. Why mm-hmm. are we putting this in here? It's not a classic. Right. But I, I don't think that's the way Disney approaches stuff, because if you look back at the early days of Disneyland, Snow White you know, wasn't a classic yet. <laughs> exactly. Or Peter Pan, like those rides were pretty new. And they mm-hmm. also, I think, to some people were probably these, you know, alien ideas, because for them, Disney was Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, mm-hmm. Donald. And now suddenly Disney's doing all these fairy tales. Why are they doing fairy tales? That's not Disney. This is, you know, they don't even own these fairy tales. Uh, It almost in a weird way parallels Marvel a lot, where it's just sort of this outside story that became a Disney thing. So I think Marvel Land's going to be very jarring when it first opens. But I can see a future in like 30 years, 40 years, where there's an entire generation of people who grew up 
just naturally associating True. Disney with Marvel. And then at that point, it just that's it. It takes off. Um, but I think part of it also becomes they'll have those memories of, well, when I was growing up, I went to Disneyland and rode the Guardians ride. And so, so <laughs> it creates that sort of. Yeah. And it, it's a weird it, concept for my mind to get around, you know. Yeah, and it's part of what I think – I try to always keep that in mind whenever they announce something when my gut reaction is like, no, don't change that. Like right. that that interrupts my memories. I try to go, okay, but there's gonna, there are going to be so many other people going to this. It's not mine to have and also like their experience is going to be sculpted through this whereas like mine's already been sculpted and I'm coming from a totally different perspective. So that doesn't always mean everything they put in there is a good idea and right. always is going to turn out well. But that always gives me the thou look of like, all right, I'll give it a shot and see, you know. I guess for me, too, if they had announced like because I don't live in California anymore because I was a I mean, I was a I've been an or I had been an annual pass holder to Disneyland. I moved there in 2009 and I was a pass holder till I moved in 2016, I think. So I and I've only been to Disney World like occasionally. So Disneyland has always been more of my home. So mm-hmm. that aspect I was upset about, but living in Orlando now, I was more okay, okay with it because of having Tower of Terror here still being the ri- original. But if they had announced like both of them were changing, then I probably would have been more upset if both yeah. of them were turning into Guardians. I kind of, I kind of have a far out theory that the other one's eventually going to change. But that's I do too. I, I think it got is. Me into some I think it's inevitable. <laughs> I think I think the problem is again, kind of like what you touched on, and I know Kevin talks about it in his book and stuff that. You know, the, we tend to think that the parks are made for us and our memories and our nostalgia, and, um, and it isn't. And kids aren't growing up on, you know, Twilight Zone. They probably don't even know what it is. So it makes sense from a business point of view, you know, to go with what's more popular, I guess. But I, but I guess I see t- uh, Twilight Zone, and they're making a new show out of it, if I am remember. I think... Um, yeah, Jordan Peele's yeah. Uh, hosting and producing. Yeah. So which will be interesting because like how does that that changes the whole dynamic, but you might get the same result. I w- when that was announced, my first thought was, well, if this is a popular show, CBS is going to start asking for more money for yep. that property, you know, usage, and maybe Disney goes, well, we have enough of our own property, so we're just going to you know part ways here, and that would be a bizarre for Twilight Zone to come back into the public eye and then still get dropped, no, yeah. regardless. Well, I think it's a timeless, and that's again where it comes down to Guardians. I see as more of a temporary. And, you know, like, I do really like Marvel movies. I'm not a huge, huge super free, uh Like, I go see them all. I enjoy them all. But I'm not, like, a diehard Marvel fan. But I see Guardians as more of, you know, what's popular now. And then once the cinematic universe is over in, like, five years or whatever, I'm curious how it'll keep going. But I feel like Twilight Zone is more of a timeless classic and oh, like, for sure. but again kids teenagers i don't know how popular it is or if it will be more popular but i guess i just miss having the tr- like having attractions that have like more original concepts and ideas than just oh let's do one on this pixar movie off this disney character but that's you know that's kind of like one of those arguments you go round and round because there's you know it's all subjective you know yeah and I think a lot of it is also just um, uh, 
reaction. Like, right. I think Disney, I think what we end up getting are parks that have evolved out of Disney looking at what people cling to. You know, it's funny, one of the common arguments made was with Guardians specifically, I know we keep going back to it, is like, well, what happens in 10 years mm-hmm. if Gar- and Guardians is no longer relevant, nobody's watching it? And my natural answer is, well, then Disney changes it again. Like, that's what you swap out rides for. Um, but if it is still relevant, then it sticks around. And maybe the reason why, you know, we still have a Peter Pan ride is because through the decades, Peter Pan has lived up as this classic. Meanwhile, and now I'm trying to, like, last second think of an example of an attraction. But, you know, um, I think if you have a less popular franchise that just doesn't mr toad for instance you Mm -hmm. know that didn't seem to apparently grab as much here uh on the east coast and so that got replaced and there are the the subset of fans who love it and miss it dearly but i think the general public doesn't really care you know and so i think what we end up getting over time is is the almost like a filter times like this filter where disney's gonna get rid of the stuff that doesn't stick and they're gonna they're gonna keep what works well and then hopefully at the end of the day we get a park full of timeless stuff but you know yeah you get the new wave of things i guess i just don't like the idea and not that they've done it with you know a ton of attractions or anything but having you know something like tower of terror just be like this placeholder for whatever is popular like if in 10 years it's like maybe not even marvel maybe it's something else then retheming it to that and then in 10 years you know versus a pirates of the caribbean and indiana jones you know making sure that that first um and i know the tower of terror i've heard it had to do with licensing and cbs like their contract was expiring and there's a lot more to it than like an indiana jones where that you can't retheme so i feel like I just don't want to see attractions that are built in mind of like, oh, this is like an open canvas kind of attraction where we can, you know, we can change this, we can retheme it. Whereas something like Indiana Jones, there's, I mean, unless you updated it to like the new movies or whatever, there's really no way you could retheme that easily. You know, it'd have totally. to be that archaeology, you know, if they lost the licensing, it would at least have to be like an archaeology kind of thing. But I don't want to see attractions and, I'm, you know, assuming, but like if they built what's replacing um, the great movie ride as something that can just be, you know, interchangeable or, you know, or whatever. I, I just don't want to see things go in that direction or the new Guardians roller coaster. I don't want to see it be built as kind of, uh, oh, it's popular now. But if this becomes popular, then we could because I think someone brought up that point where they were saying, oh, we could just make it a generic space adventure and i don't like that (laughs) idea necessarily of of designing a new ride around that idea of oh if this doesn't get popular we can just take off the characters and make it a generic space adventure i don't really like that doesn't really want you want a ride mechanic that's bespoke for the story it's telling you don't want a blank slate you don't want to play mad libs with rides (laughs) which is fair i think there are some mechanics that work towards that idea like to me Star Tours is a perfect example because mm-hmm. yep. that is it's it's a simulator with a screen. True. So that's one where I go, okay, yeah, you could swap out the video. Very I think true. that's what they're going to end up doing once Star Wars Land opens and they're they don't need all these Star Wars rides. I think it might turn into something else, but that's because the mechanic is like very fitting for that whereas like you make a great example with Indiana Jones or like the Pirates where you know, that wasn't built so that they could just swap out all the animatronics for another IP and then just change it into a new ride. Though it's going to be an interesting balance going into the future because I think there's definitely an argument that it's cheaper to do it 
the the way that kind of gives them more freedom to swap things out. But mm-hmm. I do think you have a good point in that it does take away some of the magic of these rides right. if they just kind of become templates rather than these crafted experiences. And so I think they're they're going to have to find a balance where they're still doing a little of both right. so that they can you know keep their balance sheet proper, but at the same time give us something that's not falling into, I think, the common criticism you get with like a universal, which is like, hey, everything's just screens now, which would make it easy to just swap out a video asset, you know? And that's because, you know, I know there are some people that are 100% Disney, 100% universal. I love both. I love, you know, movies, movies and theme parks and video games are like my three, like the triforce of my passion. So <laughs> like it makes sense that I love Universal and especially am looking forward to what they do with Nintendo Land. Oh, yeah. Um, but that is a criticism I have is that I don't like just having all these screen-based attractions. Um, but what I, I think the best example of what they've done, or two of them, is Forbidden Journey and Gringotts. Where the theming, I don't know if you're a Harry, are you a Harry Potter fan at all? Well, light, like I've seen all the movies, read a few of the books, so I'm like into it. I saw that leaked uh, Harry Potter role-playing game, and I was like really excited. So on incredible. that level of fandom, yeah. I hope it's <laughs> I not mean, a fan-made thing. No, I, I think that's legit. It, that looks legit. Because all the Harry Potter games up till now have been not great. <laughs> yeah. If my memory serves me. Um but yeah, Forbidden Journey and Gringotts, I think, are great examples of implementing screens, but also having enough physical, practical stuff around you. Um, Forbidden Journey, I think, is the best example. I don't know. I assume you've written it. So I actually have haven't been to Universal in a long time. Might hmm. be going for the first time in ages uh, this January. So that'll be my first time to cool. um, yeah the Wizarding World. Wow. Well, that. That's cool because usually no one, like everyone has been there. So that's going to be really special for you to have all of that. Like, to yeah, it, it's going to be wild. Digest. I'm also looking forward to firsthand um, checking out the disappointment of the Fast and the Furious ride because Ugh. I am a non-ironic fan of the films. And so I was excited about the ride. And then I saw like some clips of it and was like very, very let down. So I need to I need to experience that in person. Yeah, that's one of those things where. I would I would honestly say and I'm biased because I don't I'm not really a fan of the movies. Um, I think I've seen like two of them. But for me, not counting carnivals or any like in terms of major theme parks, it is the most I think (laughs) lazy attraction I've ever been on. It's in a tram, right? It's like a tram ride vehicle. It's pretty pretty much what they did is they took the tram tour from Universal Studios Hollywood added a, a pretty impressive queue. Like, the queue's the best part of the ride. Like, I would go through the queue and just get off before the ride if I had the option, I guess. But, like, the queue's great and everything. But they And so they took what is in Universal Studios Hollywood, and they added, like, one little section before that actually is kind of impressive. And then, like, this... I won't ruin it for you, but the section's over. It's more of an introduction, but you're like, okay, this is different. And then from there on, it's exactly like the tram tour in Hollywood, and it just doesn't work, in my opinion, and it just, it's short, and it's boring, and it's not fun. At least Kong has the animatronic. Like, you know, I wasn't a fan of the screen elements that they borrowed from Hollywood, or the the main, you know, part that they borrowed from the tram tour, but at least they have the beginning sections where it's, you know, the narrative's not very good, but it's interesting. And then you have that incredible, you know, King Kong animatronic. But with Fast and Furious, it ends, and you're like, 
that's it. Like, I that's know, unbelievable. Just, I just don't know how you years. get into a room. How do you sit in a room and plan out this attraction and go, all right, we've got this franchise based on cars and action and explosions and cars and cars and cars, and we're going to put people in a tram. We're going to put people in perhaps the vehicle most associated with just slow moving and boring. And I we're, we're going to have least... them go five miles an hour. We're going to have them <laughs> exactly. enter a, like, a room where the tram doesn't move. It bounces around a bit, but it doesn't go anywhere. But we have screens <laughs> on the side and you're going oh. down freeways and Vin Diesel's hanging from rockets. And I was just... like, guys, the, the, the series is literally called Fast and Furious. <laughs> like at least just rip off like Radiator Springs Racers or Test Track or something. Give us right. that much. But wow. again, they, I know they were having to utilize the space. And uh, I don't know. Again, I understand from a business point of view, it's smart because it's, I mean, I honestly do feel like I'm probably wrong. But I, from the outside looking in, I feel that between the queue and the shop, that's where the energy went. Like that's where 90% of their energy went you know, merchandising and the queue, which kind of leads to more merchandising because they have all these, <clears throat> all this stuff from the movies. And then, oh, we'll just throw what we have at Hollywood. Like, we'll just put it in here. You know, and it, it, it really... Now, luckily, I'm not a fan of the movie, so I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't... I can't say, like, oh, I'm disappointed because I knew going in, I'd heard enough people say, like, yeah, it's, it's Hollywood's version just with, like, one extra tiny part in the beginning. But then they have the Harry Potter stuff, which is amazing. Like, and like I said, Forbidden Journey, when you ride it, again, I won't ruin it, but there's such a, it's such a great blend. Like, the queue's amazing. Um, it's just so well done. And they have screens in it, but it blends really well with the actual practical parts of the ride. Like, really well. I think it's the best example. Um, but again, that can't be rethemed, even if they wanted to, really. Right. Although I think that was a franchise where, like, you arguably won't need to retheme it, right? Harry Potter's yeah. kind of earned its, it's place. It's never going away. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's what it comes down to is just if you're going to, I don't know, I guess I, I want to see, what's the word? More um, dedication. I don't want to see attractions that are built around, like you said, that kind of template where you could, mm -hmm. I want to see more like Forbidden Journey and, um, Indiana Jones that are here to, but that's, I know it's, I understand that's a risk, you know, like if, you it's know. interesting the way you're describing it though, it, it feels very much like an analogy to the film industry where you go like, cause you know, obviously making these more crafted experiences mm -hmm. that are dedicated cost way more money. That's like the equivalent of like your triple a summer blockbuster right. that cost you $300 million to make versus like your small indie that you just kind of pump out. And I think similar to Hollywood, the answer is probably you need a healthy blend of the two. Because if you do just do those big triple A's, then all it takes is one or two failures to sink you. Uh, but if you only do the things where you're just pumping out, you know, the generic template stuff, then there's nothing special. And why is anybody going to go there? You know, right. especially with screens today's world, like with video games and, and, you know, mobile and just even VR now and it's, it's growth and how you can get that at home. Screens are not that impressive. Like I'll take an animatronic that is less technically impressive than like a fully rendered CG character on a screen any day, because seeing something physical 
you know, I can't get, you know, a Navi animatronic in my apartment. I could turn on the TV. That's yeah, so funny. Navi. I was literally going to say, how did you feel about the, <laughs> I always get the name wrong, the Navi River Journey, River yeah. Adventure? Like that animatronic was amazing. Mm -hmm. I wish there was more than one of it in yep. the ride. I, I, some people say that, well, for cost reasons, that one costs so much. So that's why the rest of the Navi in there are just on a screen. But like, do it right or don't do it at all is, is that, the way I think you should approach this sort of thing. So like get the get the budget so that you can put more than one because, you know, just seeing the screen like I was totally unimpressed. Now, if you do it in a clever way, there's this great part in the attraction where if you look up, there are these leaves. Oh, yeah. That's and they're sort of, yeah, bioluminescent. Yeah, and, and they you bounce. See, you know? Yeah, they bounce and you see footprints walking mm -hmm. along it and the footprints are animated. And that's a clever use of a screen. That's not something you're going to get by just watching TV. Right. But like when the the Navi are just like kind of walking by in the forest, it's like, all right, you just that's a TV back there. I'm looking at a screen right. like that is kind of less. That impressive. was my that, that I was a very kind of like I enjoy going on it when the <clears throat> when the line is short enough. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but my I think what kind of set a really bad tone, though, was that the first that the first Navi you see is that like kind of projection on a, I don't even know what it is. The first, you know, the one that's really tall. And I yeah. was so, that almost, almost ruined the ride for me the first time. Cause I was thinking the whole time, why couldn't they just build one? Like just, even if it doesn't move hardly at all, just a really, cause to me it looked really fake. And it, even taking off my like, um, looking at it object, sub, uh, objectively, I don't think it looks good. I don't think it looks real. I think it's so obvious that it's just a projection. It's just on a screen. Yeah, it's 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 disappointing because I can totally see where they came from with it. They were looking at it and they were going, this is way cheaper. This thing's not going to break down. Or if it breaks down, it's because the projector broke down. And then all you got to do is swap out a bulb. But like there is something about seeing a tangible object that right. I think helps with immersiveness so much more, which is why you know, not to switch gears too too drastically, but when there were all these rumors about a Wreck-It Ralph VR experience in Tomorrowland that was going to go where stitches, I was totally opposed to that on yeah. a conceptual basis because I don't want to see VR in any of the parks. I'll do that from I, home. You know, yeah. I'll invest or in even, it. And... Like go to the void. Like that's a great yeah. place for it, but not a theme park. Like theme parks give me real physical experiences. Don't give me just something on my head or glasses or a screen. Right. Like like you said, put put a very rudimentary animatronic. I'll Anything, take that really. over a screen. Yeah. I mean, even if it doesn't even move, I was just the first time I saw it. I almost because I went during a preview and I, I I was like, OK, maybe it's not finished and it's a temporary thing because I, I really other than the, what you mentioned, where you see like the animals walk by and you can obviously tell it's all on a screen. And then you see the other Navi walk by. I loved all the other elements. I loved the music, the atm the overall atmosphere, I think, is what they did the best, where you really do kind of feel like you're in this amazing jungle and i love the first avatar movie um mm -hmm. i realize it has a lot of uh screenwriting issues and a lot of narrative issues but i don't know i've always really enjoyed the movie despite a lot of really bad dialogue but i've always liked avatar so i love being put in the world and then the end you know the animatronic at the end is oh, absolutely fantastic ridiculous yeah. it's so smooth it's so fluid but then i was like why couldn't they have just had i understand budget reasons but again like kind of what you said either go big or go home like do it all, go uh, go all the way or don't 
I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Like, don't no, just it, make it half of it. It sets that expectation, you know. and so you need to match that expectation. And can you imagine Pirates of the Caribbean, where all of the characters are like cardboard cutouts except <laughs> for the auctioneer? And then the auctioneer is an animatronic. You go, wow, that's a really great animatronic. That was their key animatronic of the of the ride. But that doesn't mean you didn't have anything for the rest of the ride. You had other, you know, you had other right. animatronics. So, or just like you pick out any of those classic haunted mansion. Imagine a haunted mansion with just one animatronic. It's you, just very weird. You ride it to the end, and you're like telling your friend, like, "But wait, there's one really good one at the end." <laughs> exactly. That that would be weird. That I can't imagine that would fly at all in classic Disney. So it shouldn't today either. But if they had had, that's my thing. If they had had. One, and you know the one I'm talking about, it's on the right, and he's standing, and he's holding the spear, and he looks so flat, like he just looks like a projection, like even compared compared to the other ones in the ride, I think he's the worst one, because it's just so flat, yeah. and I thought, if they had just had one animatronic there, and the one at the end, at least you're bookending it, you know, you're, so even if the middle has a lot of screens, you have effects, like you mentioned, where the, you know, the frog, like, creatures are jumping on the leaves and you have those things that spin around um but at least you're bookending the ride with something tangible and physical but don't start a ride like that with what to me is like the one of the cheaper effects i've seen and And it kind of you could could bookend it really well too because the ride's like two minutes long so it's not even much of a bookend it's like half the ride at that point (laughs) yeah so it's like I ride it, I enjoy it, but every time I ride it, I keep thinking, oh, that could have been so much better, you know, if they ha- I don't know if it is a budget reason or what, but on the other hand, the flight of the, I always get the names oh, wrong. Flight, flight of Passage? Of, that's, an, oh, yeah. that's um, I understand it's just a simulator, but holy crap, like, I was smiling the whole time. I, every time I ride it, I'm just smiling the whole time, and just... I it's love the that king ride. of simulators. It is, you know, like like you said, it's just a simulator, but it is the apex of simulators in the theme the parks, right? And like you feel it breathing on your, you know, in between your legs, which sounds dirty, but you know, <laughs> it's like you you feel like you're actually there. And just even the setup where you see yourself on the screen, and if especially if you've seen the movies, um, I don't know. It's just like. It's such a corny word, and I rarely use it, but it really is a magical experience. 100%. Oh, 100%. Like, there is um, there's one moment in the attraction, and it seems minor, but I guess, like, here's the thing. When and I don't know if, if you feel the same. No, it's not even in the, the, the queue or anything. Or it's, I shouldn't say it's not even on the screen, but, like, I feel like as somebody who now talks about these parks every week and is researching on it and stuff – the magic doesn't go away, but there is an element of like, I'm always dissecting everything I see right. and thinking of it from a different angle. So there are very few times where it's just like a child, like, Whoa, that was, that right. was like magic. And for me, the moment where it starts flashing the lights and before you know it, the whole wall that is in front of you oh, is yeah. now gone and you're in yeah. this world. That was a moment to me. I didn't know about it. I had not heard about anything right. about like nobody was teasing it. So I was just like, what just happened? That was amazing. And you don't get a whole lot of those moments anymore when you're like in, you know, like in the world of the parks every single week, week after week. So that was like a completely next level thing to me. And it seems silly because for everything the ride offers for me to go, oh, the part where the wall rises up. No, is because amazing, it's, but it's it, not similar to like I stayed away from everything I didn't want to know anything about it um I just knew it was a simulator of some kind 
but that first shot you're just in it you go from being in a room surrounded by a bunch of people and the walls are behind you and at first i thought that was going to be a bad thing i thought well i'm going to know i'm in a room the whole time i was worried like oh i know like my backpack's like two feet behind me how am i (laughs) how am i going to get sucked in and then the second like i was in that mid thought and then all of a sudden i forgot where i was I don't, and I've never, it's a really weird minor thing, but I've never had a water effect be as good as that ride. Oh yeah. Usually I hate misting effects, but it's so subtle and the way it happens, it's almost like they use a different nozzle or something because it doesn't, you just kind of barely feel it and it matches so well um, with what's on screen. And the other aspect, which is one thing I tend to criticize Star Tours over, is I feel like because James Cameron is such a per- perfectionist, he, you know, he would only do it if the the on-ride footage looked as good, if not better, than how the movie looked, which was very photorealistic. So yeah. I never feel like I'm in a CGI world. Whereas Star Tours, I everything's way too shiny. I feel like there are certain there are some aspects that are really well rendered, but there are a lot of times in that ride that I feel like it just could have been polished a little bit more in terms of the effects whereas avatar i feel like everything like everything's so well done that you don't feel like you're watching a cgi movie you feel like you are going through you know a, a world yeah you're you're on pandora it's it is uh it's super impressive it makes me wish they'd go back and redo all of soren just out of embarrassment like how can you leave soren up in its current state when you've got that just one park over um and it's part of the reason why for everything we were just saying about uh navi river journey i don't really care that much because i'm like all right well it really seems like clearly all the effort went into one of these and not the other. And, right. And I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it has more than anything me so, so excited for Star Wars land. Like I am besides myself with just excitement and hype for that, because if they put, you know, half as much effort. No, I'm not going to go that far. If, I hope they put as much effort into Star Wars land as they did into into Flights of Passage, because that Millennium Falcon ride will be bring me to tears, probably. Well, I guess I, I, like, same here. I guess what I hope is that they have a James Cameron type leading it. Because I think that's why Flight... Because he is such... I mean, you you watch, you know, documentaries on Titanic. And just the amount of attention to detail, he... You know, that's why it ballooned so much over budget and everything. And everyone thought it was going to be a disaster. But the attention to detail he gave stuff you you don't even see in the movie you know like so he he took that same attitude with the ride i think so he wouldn't have let something release unless it was like the best cgi you know experience Possible. yeah with star tour or star wars land or galaxy's edge i wonder if there is someone on that team that's going to hold them to that that same kind of high standards Um, Maybe they don't need it. Maybe it'll be amazing regardless. But I think James Cameron played a big part in why it works so well because he is such a, you know, insane attention to detail perfectionist person. For sure. I'm wondering if, if anything, the expectations of the land are going to be enough to hold the Imagineering to, you know, hold their feet to the fire. Whereas, like, 
if Pandora flopped, I don't think there were a ton of people who would have been super upset about it because, right. you know, it's not a super beloved franchise. But there's got to be that level at Disney where they're, you know, they're they're approaching True. this going. This is it. Like if we ever had to be perfect with something at the parks, it has to be this. But I don't know. Maybe my that I get excited about stuff like that, thinking like in 20 years, are we going to get a really good book about the creation of these lands that, mm. you know, really digs into the stuff that right now all we're seeing is the clean PR stuff of this is fantastic. Right. <laughs> and I want to know why there's only one animatronic in Pandora and uh, Navi River yep. Journey. I want to know all this stuff. And hopefully there's a book being written out there today that we'll get one day. And I feel like eventually they could just maybe for whenever they do a refurbishment just add i mean they do that all the time add oh totally you know, like real even if it was a budgetary thing i hope that eventually they have a real at least one not other than the ending of course um in the in the river journey in the beginning would be nice to just have a refurbishment in like two three years or whatever and just add it you know, I don't know. It A lot of the stuff is like, obviously, I'm not an Imagineer, so it's probably an easier said than done kind of thing. And I imagine they really have to pull on the like budgetary people, whoever's in charge of oh, that. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, to be like, please let us, you know, add this. Because, I mean, look at how hard Joe Rohde tried to get Beastly Kingdom made and just with budgetary stuff and Eisner. So it really was not the fault of the Imagineers. It was the, you know, it was all the other factors at play that led yeah. to that not becoming a reality. But yeah, I'm really excited about Star... Because I love Star Wars, the movies and everything. Mm-hmm. So just the idea of... I guess I'm more excited about just the world. You know, like, I, I really want the attractions to be amazing. But just what I've seen of the world and how immersive it's going to be, that's what I'm most excited for. Um, yeah, it's I'm this idea that they're connecting a lot of these experiences together, how you perform in the Millennium Falcon attraction is apparently going to have some weight to how you're treated in the cantina. I've heard um, about that. Like that's the sort of like, you know, as Disney fans, I'm sure we'd all be fine if they just kept doing like, OK, here's a new ride and here's a new ride and now we'll do another ride. But I, I do like that there is this uh, thought being put into like, well, what's the next step in themed entertainment? What are we like? OK, let's take these narratives and we'll connect the ride experience to the restaurant experience in some way. Like that's the kind of stuff that gets me really excited. Similar to you, like the other one, which is like the first order breakout something or other. I know mm-hmm. next to nothing about that because Same. I'm not that super interested into it. Um, I am a billion percent invested in this idea of the Star Wars hotel for uh, similar reasons like how do you take the hotel experience or just this immersive putting you in another world uh, experience and put it up to the next level with all of this new technology that's what excites me most uh, even if I wasn't a Star Wars fan I, I think I'd be really into things like that and apparently I heard rumors like the costumes are going to be different like they're not going to be wearing normal cast member name tags like they're really going all out and making sure that this is as immersive as an experience as right. possible, despite the fact that there's going to be like 10,000 other people in that space at the same time. So it's going to be difficult. Um, but that's where, that's where I see the future going, which is why like a lot of people ask, like, what do you think the next theme park is going to be? And I'm all in on this idea of like, if the hotel is half of what it promises to be, then I don't think we'll see any new theme parks ever again i think we'll keep the ones we have but i think that's the future of theme park entertainment right there 
like in in doing it through hotels or kind of like these Westworld like experiences oh, that mean. are all about like you know smaller smaller groups more immersive um more totally immersive from where you're sleeping yeah. to what you're doing during the day rather than we're going to make a park with you know 20 rides and right for, you <clears throat> know, i just hope they make it people. like because that's where i wish i was like a media journalist because i think i heard it's going to be like i mean the per night cost is just ridiculous for the average person so i mm -hmm. hope they i don't know maybe with that have a way that you can still experience what they're offering just without staying overnight you know because yeah. <clears throat> i think i heard i don't remember how much but the number was ridiculous like a, on a per night basis so i hope they find a way to be able to offer that to people that can't like just throw all their savings away for one one <laughs> night stay at a hotel you know like, yeah that is that that is the downside. I think a lot of people were liking it, likening it to cruise prices, saying it's going to be a, it's essentially like a cruise on land. You're paying True. those Disney cruise prices. It's going to be like a three day experience or three night experience. Um, and but it's all inclusive because everything you're doing that whole weekend is packaged into it. Um, I think the balance there will end up being like, I, you know, to that ridiculous prediction I just made like I don't think they'll necessarily just start ignoring the parks I think you'd still get new rides new lands I don't think they'd go as far as to build an entire fifth gate but like yeah there should be a balance there and maybe there will be maybe the idea is okay we'll build this one hotel this is the real hardcore experience you're gonna live sleep and breathe and eat Star Wars for three days and now we'll have like this other brand. We're going to do maybe a middle ground between theme parks and uh, this hotel experience. And that'll be maybe you just show up every day and it's still the same idea of a narrative plot that you're playing through. But I think that's the key that I'm really excited for is, you know, I love going to these places because they immerse you in other worlds. Right. And maybe it's because I grew up playing video games. But like I want I, you know, video games are all about the idea of making you the hero of the story and right. you're the one, you know, pushing things along. And I think this hotel idea kind of gets us closer to living that out. And of course, the the grand version of that is Westworld before all of the, you know, murder and chaos and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but the, the first three episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ideal version. It's like Jurassic Park before the, the, the dinosaurs get out sort of thing. Um, Are you a fan I, of Westworld? Like, have you? Love it. Love it. Because I, I, I love like the I I've said this like before. I think the first season of Westworld is one of my favorite first seasons of any TV show ever. Like, I was Agreed. so... Because, again, I grew up with video games and still do play a lot of them. I just beat Spider-Man, and I cannot wait for Red Dead Redemption. I've been waiting for that ever since I finished Red Dead Redemption 1. So I love that sense of immersion. So that first season of Westworld was just mind-blowing. I just love that it has brought the topic to the forefront because... You know, for as fantastical as the show is, it is very clearly the direction that I think technology is moving in. Right. And I mean, there are some really heady subjects there about free will and when does right. AI become, you know, human and deserve human rights. But just on a pure entertainment basis, like look at some of the mirrors of what Disney's doing with a hotel that is supposed to be completely immersive with actors who are playing out the roles and you are taking part in these narratives that are kind of custom crafted and shorter and more expensive as we're going to find out right. and we're moving there and they've talked about working on technology 
for animatronics that can converse with the guests and, you know, animatronics that could freely move. You saw the stunt animatronic video that they were working on um, that, like, does flips and stuff. Oh, like, yeah, I saw They're that. moving in that direction. And so I think all of the questions it raises are, are worth talking about because I, I think it'll be sooner rather than later that we're going to start seeing a lot of this happen. Not the murder and death uh, part. So, so a G-rated you know. Westworld. Where... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and technology is bringing us to a, a place where we can do that in a, in a more immersive form than we can do at home. It's nice sitting at a desk and playing with a controller and, you know, going into these worlds. But, like, have you done The Void uh, in Disney Springs? No, the... but I've, I keep hearing about it. And actually was talking with uh, my girlfriend the other day about it because I, I don't even know if it's still there. But I remember hearing about it for a while that it was pretty... Totally worth it. Yeah, it's there. They're actually about to add on a second quest that's Wreck-It Ralph based or Ralph mm. Breaks the Internet based. Um, but that is something that I think... And I've said this in other streams and podcasts and stuff because I want to I want to put down my chips so that right. I could go, ha, look, I said so. But I could totally see Disney buying the void down the line and acquiring them because I think what they're doing is a great way to expand on where we're going with virtual reality because the right. whole premise is you're moving in physical space. The wall that you see in the game is a real wall you can reach out and touch. And uh, that's something you can't do at home right now. Even if you do have a VR setup, you are just kind of standing there in free space. And so I think that might be a, one of the, the, the pathways that leads us to this Westworld experience where you get to do anything because, you know, from a logistical standpoint, something like Westworld is just seems like next to impossible. But in a digital space, totally possible and this kind of marries the two together and so i hope we see some of that in disney not so much in the theme parks because i don't want to see vr in the parks but like right if that star wars hotel has a void like experience that ties into the narrative where maybe you're running around on a you know imperial base or something or you're <laughs> flying a fighter like oh that'd be mine that'd be so amazing um, my biggest fear right now is that they're not going to go all out on this. And well, it's tough because you would have to. You'd almost have to have. I guess Westworld kind of did that, where you have like packages. Like, oh, here's the one where we're going to wake you up at three in the morning with an alarm, and you're going to have to storm a, you know, like a really intense kind of thing. And oh, then yeah. maybe for one, we're like, hey, you just want the atmosphere. We get it. We're not going to bother. You know, we're not going to do the whole role playing thing. Um, so I think if you did that, where you offered different kind of like with mission space, you have the green side and you have the orange yeah. side, I will probably never do the more intense one. Cause I just <laughs> don't like that kind of uh, feeling, but I'm glad they have the option. So that'd be yeah. cool if they offered, uh, cause I know there are people that don't want to get involved in all that, but that would be incredible to just really feel like you're in this. And then you're, like you said, you're more willing to pay for that. Like Jurassic Park, you know, there's a lot of parallels between Jurassic Park and, you know, these other things that are developing. So hopefully they won't go the way of Jurassic Park and all the animatronics right. will turn on us. And as long as we don't develop the animatronics to like feel and think, I think we'll probably be fine. But then and they'll also... get mad that they can't feel and think. That's where oh. it starts in every movie. They're like, because they're <laughs> mad that we don't. And then they hack and they figure out how to feel emotions. And then they're like, who designed this robot to feel mad? Why did anybody put the mad programming in this? This makes no sense, guys. Um, by the way, Mission Space Green is better than orange. That's my hot take. So you're not, which, I don't think you're missing I'm a lot. I'm always wrong. Which is the more intense one? 
Orange is the more intense. Okay, I yeah. think the, the the new green where you just go around Earth and then you kind of land in Florida again. I like that one way more than you don't have the spinning effect, but I think it's just it becomes like a space version of Soren because mm-hmm. it's like oh look here's Japan and here's you know India here's the Great Wall all this cool stuff. Um, but I like that idea. I like the idea of maybe doing a second building for the Star Wars hotel that's just like the light version of it. And yeah. it's just really nice themed rooms. And then you go to your parks and you do your thing. Um, but I, yeah, I think the key there when you talk about the idea of like, you know, being waking up in the middle of the night due to alarm, like to me, that sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. And I granted, I'm coming from this position of like, you know, I'm still younger. I don't yeah. have kids. That I'd sounds like a that. fun time. Yeah. And I think what Disney needs to be willing to do with anything they do, whether it's rides or hotels or just experiences, is they need to be willing to create some experiences that aren't accessible to everybody. Like, I think Walt's dream of Disney was to create a park where everybody could have fun. Mm-hmm. But I think that's different from creating a park where every part of the park can be enjoyed by every person like you have. And we already see that, right? Like not everybody can ride rock and roller coaster. Right. Not, and, but there for, for rock and roller coaster, there's also maybe a lesser ex- intense star tours. And then even if that's too intense for you, then that's when you get maybe like your aliens swirling saucers. Like you want to have those levels so that everybody has something right. to do, but they need to embrace the idea of like, we're going to create this experience. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be expensive, but wild. And if you can't handle wild, that doesn't mean we're going to tone it down. That just means this experience isn't for you. Well, and that's that's, that's what that's they do the, in Westworld, isn't it? Where they have like you, they have certain characters that signed up for one thing, or they signed up for another. Or I guess that's more mm-hmm. they just are allowed to choose to go further. Um, having that choice, I think, right is a yeah. But I mean, but think about I mean Disney Quest. If they made a Disney Quest of what it should have been or what it could have been, I guess is a better word. Where, like you said, you're not bringing virtual reality into the theme parks, but you're offering like almost like a mini theme park where you can have the the void, like you mentioned, where you can have those kind of experiences um, yeah. in, a, in once, like a once Disney that technology is perfected, I want to see Disney Quest 2.0 come back. And I don't want it to be like Disney Quest 1.0 where it's like, we've got this thing here. We got this thing there. I want the void on five floors, Mm -hmm. a massive story where it's like you're at the void all day. Like you're going to spend six hours in that VR headset playing out an adventure quest that takes place over all these floors of a building. And that's probably something that would not be that'd be like 10, 15 years away. We're still in the infancy of like this new VR wave. But that's my wish and hope. My my wish and hope, and it's something I would I would love to. Um, some people have joked about it, and I think I think it could become a reality. Um, a situation like mixing the blend of the tangibility, or maybe I'll backtrack, because a lot of with when it comes to past theme park attractions, a lot of people are going towards the VR. But my problem with just VR is that there's no tangibility. You don't feel anything. You don't feel like you're moving. You know, you can, you're just sitting in a chair. And, yeah, it's cool. You can look around. But you don't feel like you're on the old ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would be amazing if somehow there's some way they can have, like, a Disney quest. But it's of, like, past theme park attractions that no longer exist. But you actually feel like you're on the rides. You're not just having a headset on. You actually feel wind or I don't know if that makes sense. I love that idea. No, like imagine. Oh, man, that's a great like like a void with 
you know, just an Omni mover that goes in a circle, yeah, a free, and, free roaming Omni mover right. that and can, you can just program, match the movement. Yeah, you match the movement. You program whatever senses, and you know, and again, it, I don't know where the how much of a market there is. I always wonder, like, how if they were in theory to build like a Yester world. That's always kind of my jokey dream is to build an actual Yester world. I don't know if it's just if it'd be like me and ten other people, or if it'd be like something that you know, the general population would be interested in, but it might just be only like theme park historians that would be interested in that kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that is an interesting question. I don't want to, I want to like, I hesitate to make a guess and be like, nah, I think people would love it because the, I feel like the key argument behind most of these rides closing is eventually people don't love them anymore. At least the general public doesn't for as much as horizons is beloved in the community. There wasn't much of a line for Horizons by the time right. it closed. You know? And it might be really popular for the first couple months, and then it goes, you know, the past repeats itself. And then you have yeah. this, like, a, you know, massive building with all these old attraction simulations, and then no one's riding them anymore. But that's the fun, I think, challenge of trying to, like, produce something like that is finding the balance because, you know, maybe you don't have an attract, you don't have a, a separate setup for each attraction, but imagine if you had, like, one small loop of like just a generic right. omni mover vehicle and then the idea is you just load up whichever ride you want so it's this small footprint you know mm-hmm. doesn't cost as much to run maybe it's not as fully immersive but if you have this thing on like its own separate gimbal kind of like a kind of like a dinosaur indiana jones where it can move freely so that it can mimic the ride you've selected right. like i think there are ways to do it in a cheaper way that would make it possible so that you can go you know what this isn't going to be for the grand general public but it doesn't cost too much to run and maintain so it's okay like we could we could live with that and that would be probably a a nice middle ground there but that would be so much fun like i i think that would be a way to relive the past and i think looking at movies and television there's a pretty safe argument that people love nostalgia and going back to things after long enough time so I say Disney should do it. That's my like my nerdy dream come true where like Disney and the Universal can agree on some sort of licensing thing and they can just have a huge Disney Quest version of the past attractions cuz um yeah cuz that's the thing with virtual reality. I mean, that's why I want to experience something like The Void cuz for me the times that I have tried virtual reality stuff, it's more of like I am aware, I'm too self-aware that I'm just sitting in a chair and I have these heavy goggles on me, you know, and I don't feel anything. I just, you know, it has to be a bit more immersive before I get on board with like virtual reality. But I think that'd be amazing if there was some way to combine the two and allow you to experience attractions that you never got to like alien encounter. I'd love to experience that. Never got to, you know, and that wouldn't even be that hard to like program where you, you know, feel the sensations and. Yeah. I think another thing you can do is you have your different markets with it, you know, like say again, that this physical setup, maybe it's kind of expensive and there's not enough people who go to it. Right. But like if you created a lighter version, going back to the hotel idea, if you created a lighter version that you can download on steam, so that, yeah, you know what, maybe not enough people are going to the museum version to cover the cost of the museum. But, hey, thousands of people who don't live in Florida or California are downloading it for 20 bucks a pop. And so that's offsetting right. the price a little bit. It kind of, 
you know, supplements it. And so I think you can find a balance there, too, where, you know, maybe somebody who's at Disney for a week doesn't want to take time out of their week to go experience old rides. Right. But you know what? If I'm at home and I've got that, you know, that uh, just wanting to experience Disney because it's been a while, like, boom, just download it. That that becomes one of the options. And then you can go, you know what? I can't wait to experience uh, you know, uh, body wars. I just did it with my headset at home, but I can't wait to go try it out when right. I'm, you know, in Disney Springs next time and get the full version. And I think the other thing too, and that's kind of going back to flight of passage, why I think that works so well is it would have to be absolutely photorealistic CGI, you know, um, cause the second you feel like you're just watching a simulation, you get taken out of it. So mm-hmm. it would have to be like, avatar level stuff (laughs) like for me to really be on board with any kind of vr attraction type of stuff and hey they own ilm now so then and pixar they have no excuse everything everything cg in those parks should be top notch all the time there's no excuse i was so glad they read admission space because that was looking real old that's why Star Tours, like, there are parts in Star Tours where I think, oh, that's really, really well done. And then there are just little things here and there. It'll be like a character walking by that I think needed a few more passes of texturing and um, a little bit more render time or something. Because it just doesn't always um, match the kind of photorealism of the other things going on. Right. doesn't click. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure behind the scenes it's all money. Oh, it yeah, boils it's... down to like, do we want to give it the time? But um, now I think going, especially to, I think back in the day when all of that was first new, like Star Tours, I mean, the original Star Tours, I, I know used a lot of practical miniatures, but like I think CG people were a lot more forgiving because the novelty of CG was still there. Right. Nowadays it's like, come on, you got to be on top of your game all the time because it's, I could sit at home and make something and see like it's just become so ubiquitous that the that level of expectation is is raised all the way to the top and they've got the companies now and the money so um it should right. always they're really the easy thing. there is no excuse anymore other than budgetary constraints to have bad CGI I mean there isn't I mean sure. yeah so the moral of the story is Disney needs to, I think they need to go back, redo the Taj Mahal scene in Soren because <laughs> that's the one where I can definitely tell it is 100% CG and it throws me off every time. And I'm like, guys, you took out Steven Tyler's, like you yeah, added a finger yeah. to him overnight. You could do this with Soren too. Just re-render it and pop in the new video and you should be set. Yeah, and it's always, and I guess the other part of it is too that, you know, as as we get more clearer projections you know 4k and whatever it's really hard to hide bad cg you know you like you watch older movies that at the time they looked amazing and then you watch them on like 4k or even 1080 um like a remastered blu-ray and you're thinking like oof man is it my nostalgia goggles or was it just (laughs) you know because like the original soren you know i guess those are more I think those were all real locations. Yeah, I think yeah, I remember seeing like a behind the scenes for it where they'd go and shoot there, which was the biggest thing. That was the biggest one where it's like also come on like you're Disney like slap a camera onto a helicopter and go film in these locations. I know it costs more than doing it in CG, but like it's just so much easier to get a good looking product by shooting the real thing. We've just seen this wave of it happen 
with the Star Wars, uh, the new Star Wars films, where they put so much emphasis on we're using real sets, we're using practical effects, we're we're not going to do all CG like the prequels were, and it you know for however you feel about the films as they are as as stories, like it shows, it looks so much better. Right. So I would love if they went back and re like redid Soren as in like you don't have to. I mean, I'd love if they fixed the screens, but you could keep the exact same scenes you wanted to do, and then just. Just go film in all of those places. I don't need to see the elephants fighting and throwing dirt in my face. Like, just show me real elephants. That's cooler. How know? many of the? Do you know how many were actually filmed on location versus ones that were just? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I could have sworn like all of the locations in version 1.0 were real. Like, they just shot them all. Right. Uh, but that's because they weren't doing anything, like. Crazy. I think the craziest thing was the fighter jets when you're going over the desert. Mm -hmm. Those might have been added in, uh, but I'm pretty sure most of Soren 2.0 is CG. Like, oh really? I didn't. I knew that the certain least, scenes were, but I didn't know how much were CG. Either either they all are, or at the very least, I, I think Disney's blending too much in that they they all come off as like CG. Well, I, when I ride it, and I try not to be cynical about that sort of stuff, or go, oh, this is fake. Like, I get it's. It's a ride, so it's I'm not expecting you know total realism, but they always seem to be throwing in because you got the polar bears, you've got uh, I know the the people canoeing in the Pacific, uh, they they totally are that's, CG. That's the one that always bothers me the most are the yeah. people canoeing because it's like their skin doesn't look real. Yeah, they move funny yeah. too. It's not like perfect, and that's one of the ones where. You go, well, you could get actors or you could get the actual people to just do that and then film it. Grab I some understand. canoes, go to Hawaii and go yeah. over with a helicopter just shoot or a drone. Yeah. <laughs> I get you can't you can't get an elephant to throw the dirt on cue. That 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 part kind of makes sense. Or you can't have, you know, a Cessna fly by the helicopter and clip it the way it does in Australia. Like I, it feels like the CG is a necessity because they wanted these weird transitions. I, I don't I like the transitions. Like, get rid of the transitions and just, yeah. They're have abrupt. Us and they actually, um, like, you're so relaxed. And then you have this eagle come by and <laughs> screech. And you just, like, half the time, if you look at the people around you, they jump at every transition. And I think that was almost kind of a mistake because that's not what Soren is. You're not supposed to be jumping. And right. I mean, I know in the old one, they had the golf ball that everyone kind of jumped at but yeah. with this one i feel like almost every transition is like something popping out of the water or, you know or you know um the by the way or... even that was real the golf ball was cg but the golfers playing golf those were real because i remember reading that the golfer that hits the golf ball is supposedly michael eisner uh, that's funny i could see that being true <laughs> and the golf ball has a hidden mickey i guess if you slow it down you can see like a mickey shape on the golf ball. That's clever. Yeah. So the, I, I would love to see them go back and redo it, especially with Flight of Passage. I think they show the technology's kind of reached a perfect point. The, the screen right now in Soren's really weird that if you're not sitting in the middle, you're going to get this weird warped view. And yeah. then they focus on these buildings like the Eiffel Tower that really magnify this warping. And it's just like this curved Eiffel Tower, which is weird. So I would love to see them go back and kind of give us a 3.0 that's a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know, a little bit better, more refined. Well, I, I think a lot of the times there's not enough time put into, uh, I guess you'd say, angles of screens because 
I know my biggest problem with Kong, uh, Reign of Kong, when it first came out, was that if you're sitting in the front row, it's unrideable. Like, you cannot see what's, you can't see anything, like, at all, unless you turn all the way around. It's so awkward. And even the second row is not all that great. From there, you're fine. But the first row, I was, the whole time I wrote it, I was thinking, like, who, who, did anyone even bother, like, testing this and sitting in it from this point of view and it was funny because then a few months later they actually closed off the first row like you can't. oh interesting so um, they knew yeah and i don't know maybe it was a temporary thing but i know the last couple times i've written it there's like a rope in front of the first row and huh. it's like did they really not think of that like as they're doing all the testing that i mean i'm sure they just got a ton of complaints of people wanting to rewrite it because it was just you couldn't see anything that would be my guess. I bet there's some sort of operations file somewhere where they're saying, hey, we left this row in because it was going to add, you know, X hundred guests right. per hour. But now, you know, half of them want to rewrite it again. And so it's not worth it. So let's just shut this down. And I oh, I wish I this is the only time I'd ever wish I'd work for Disney is to be on the inside to like right. get all of that information is I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, that's that's where I guess we have the benefit of covering older stuff because it has surfaced. You yeah, know, like you said, we don't know the behind the scenes on you know, Navi River Journey or whatever. But with anything in the 80s and 90s or even early 2000s, you know, there's been time for people to be hired and fired and disgruntled and to leak stuff and. Um, exactly. I had one person ask me if I could do the history of Slinky Dog Dash, and I was like, "It's five months old. Like, there's no history right now." They had Maybe an idea like for a roller coaster. Years, I'll do it. <laughs> it's Toy Story, and that's yeah. about it. Uh, it was. It didn't exist, and then it did exist. So, but hey, who knows? In 15 years, maybe there's a cool story behind it, like the Erector set and Soren and stuff like that. But got to give it time to age, like wine. Well, I even want to find out the real reason behind the Yeti, because I mean, there's so many versions of like um, why the Yeti was shut down. You know, the modes it was in. Mm -hmm. It's you know too much to get into now, but. There's so many versions, you know, it was ripping off the mountain. Oh, it was ripping this. And, but so I'd love to get like one. And I'm surprised they never have like Joe Rody's never actually said, here is the reason. I mean, maybe it's a non-disclosure. Uh, thing, yeah, Disney but thing. Because there's so many versions. Oh, my my uncle's friend worked on it and said it was this. And same thing with like the Indiana Jones ice effect. You like you have all these things where there's just so many versions of like the story of why they shut it down or whatever. And so I wish, uh, actually I think Tony Baxter, I randomly came upon like an interview he did where he explained more of the ice effect and why it was hmm. shut down. And I was like, they need to do that more. <laughs> like just come forward with it and say, here's the reason why, you know, yeah. cause there's so many, one of the versions is true. It's just a matter of which one. And I don't know, maybe cause they're still planning on fixing it. I'm not sure if that's going to I think that's a key part of it. I, I, I always wondered why they wouldn't do more of that stuff because there is, there's a f part of the fan base that's totally fascinated with it. I mean, none of our channels would be where they are if there weren't. And so I don't know why. It doesn't make Disney look bad to go like, hey, you know, 20 years ago we made this mistake and, you know, we learned from it and we changed it. So I always wish they would be more open about that sort of stuff. But then again, with a company that large, I don't even know how, like, well, the legal stuff gets involved. And then you've got a ride like Everest that's still open and running where it's like, well, we don't want the ride to look bad now. 
So I'm sure there are reasons for it, but I would just love some sort of web series by them where they're right. more candid about their past. Well, even like in my my recent video, one of the subjects was about the Meet the World at Epcot. And I find mm -hmm. that so odd because part of the thing is that they built, like Disney has a whole other reason why they didn't build it. And it just is kind of ridiculous. To me, it's a ridiculous reason. It was like, oh, because there are lines that omit the history of World War II and we didn't want to offend veterans. It's like, well, then write it differently. Like, rewrite it, re-record audio. Like, it's not that hard. Um, but the real reason I've heard from people that say they knew people who worked on it is that they built the show building, but then it turns out they built it wrong. Like, they put support beams where they weren't supposed to be. Um, the dimensions were off. And I think, how can, I mean how does that even happen? You know, when you have this million dollar, however much it costs to build these things, I'm surprised that can still happen, you know, between that being in the eighties is more understandable, I guess. But then you have the Yeti, which is in the nineties. Like, how does that stuff still happen where it's not accounted for, you know, when you're building a multi million dollar theme park? Or I don't know, but I, I feel like through a third person, I feel the stress of whoever made that key mistake that cost millions of dollars. Excuse like, I me, can't uh, Mr. Imagine... Eisner, uh, we can't have an attraction here. Why not? Uh, we built the show building wrong. Oh, <laughs> my palms will sweat if like I send an email with too many typos <laughs> out to yeah, my boss. Here. Like I can't imagine like, oh, I, you know, I kind of just ruined this whole multi-million dollar project. Sorry. <laughs> I can't even imagine. And, and I guess a lot of it is, you know, with the Yeti, I think maybe they just underestimated how much force was going to be used every day, mm -hmm. all day. Um, but yeah, the, I always thought the Epcot one was pretty funny because I didn't even know about it until recently. I thought, really? They built the show building wrong? And that's why it got scrapped? Like, Have I, you uh, ridden Everest with Yeti in A-Mode? No. not. I mean, it's well, maybe. Terrifying. Because it's terrifying. When was the last time? I can't remember... When it, it was really early on into its, I think, existence. I want to say it was like, I don't know, it was in the, the early 2000s, I think. Cause like, it was the year or so after it opened. I think they turned it off pretty quickly. Yeah, it was within like a few, like a year or a few months, but I don't think I did. I know I went to Disney World when I was like 12, so that was, I would have been, it would have been the year 2000, but... I was also kind of a scaredy cat, so I can imagine it not being one I wanted to ride. Um, I was in the same boat, which is why I never did Alien Encounter. Which is why I'm pissed, because I was just going to say that I could have ridden Alien Encounter the one time we came to Walt Disney World. Because I came to Walt Disney World, like, once when I was 12, and then the next time when was when I was, like, 23. So I never went there in between. But I remember Alien Encounter being there, and I was just like, nope not gonna do it um <laughs> i don't know if i had done it maybe i would have been like traumatized or something so maybe it's a good thing i didn't go on it but yeah butterfly effect all you wouldn't have a channel right now for some weird reason like you would have hated theme parks and then I know. you know, would have done something else puts so. me in like an institution <laughs> or something like that yeah yeah but it, i guess it's the the part of i guess it's it's almost like a cathar i don't know if catharsis is the right word but in exploring these subjects, in a way, I can experience them, you know? So I guess that's one thing that kind of drives me, and maybe that's, I don't know, what drives you to explore these things that we never got to sometimes, because then you 
in a way kind of in a way make up for not getting to experience them firsthand. Yeah, and I think a big part of it too for me is like it's it's getting to re-experience some of this from the perspective of not only now being adult, but also just looking at it from this analytical point of view, there are certain things that I kind of, I remember seeing ads for the big red boat and the Disney cruises. And then I remember the ads for the Disney cruises, but I never had the story back then when I was a kid, cause they were just commercials on TV. So like, right. it's really fun getting to get the story behind it and also find all the, the history of the stuff that I just never knew about. Like the topics I find most enjoyable to make are the ones where when they're suggested to me or like I come across them when I'm like doing research, I had never heard a single thing about it. And I'm like, whoa, Same. like this whole thing happened completely oblivious to it. And then it's getting to explore that thing for the very first time, which is really like just a real fun time and makes for a fun hobby. Now, that's the same for me. A good example, actually, is the recent um, <clears throat> uh, where I kind of explored the really terrifying versions of Snow White. Because I didn't mm. know about, I knew that they were like scarier, and I was trying to figure out like, oh, what's my next video going to be about? And then I was, I just, I think I just kind of randomly stumbled upon something, and then when I looked more into it, I was like, how d have I never heard of this story of how absolutely terrifying <laughs> Walt Disney? And I never got to ride Walt Disney World's version of any Snow White, unfortunately, um, which is part of why it was interesting to me, but. I had no idea how much history there was and how terrifying it was. And like the original versions, it was just, it blew my mind that they would even make an attraction that terrifying, but I had no idea. So those are the ones that I get into that I really sink my teeth into where I just had no idea. And it's like, how did I not know this? How does, yeah. that, how is this not something that is like widely, you know, and I love yep. you get the mix of you get the mix of comments too of people who are on the same boat and then the opposite where they're like they're also similar like I never knew about that that's amazing and that feels really good but then also people who are just like I remember that when I was a kid yep. and I was like that's so cool to to get into that world. Yeah, my favorite comments are the ones where people when it when when you're exploring an aspect of the parks that maybe aren't as widely covered and then someone will say something like thank you for covering this because no one believed me. It was this with Snow White. I kept getting those. It was like, no one believed me. It was this terrifying, um, you know, because I guess just, it wasn't that commonly known, but I, I like hearing those when you, you almost feel like you, you, you made someone's day by like yeah. making something that they always hoped someone would do a video on or explore. Cause then they're like, Oh, I remember this. And they tell you the story of, um, when they wrote it as a kid or whatever, that's yeah. always fun. Yeah. And that kind of ties into the, the, the appeal of Disney of like building these memories. And I think, uh, it makes it click. I don't know. I mean, I know you cover, uh, other stuff outside of just purely Disney, but like, I think theme parks in general are just at like these sort of entertainment experiences in general tend to, I think, tie more into memory a little bit more. Like, I don't think I would have the same connection with, people who are watching if I was doing videos on like the history of computer technology, <laughs> yeah. like nobody's like, I remember, you know, the, the Intel Pentium two processor. That was great. You right. know, it's not, not quite the same thing as the, like the haunted mansion or something. Yeah. It's like, I think it's anything when it's like a visual experience, whether it's a video game, maybe not as much for movies, but like 
or maybe it's when it's something that you're immersed into and then people are like oh i remember when it was like this and um and then one thing i i think i brought it up with kevin once was i'm curious to see like in 50 years from now because you know when we explore these attractions you know from the 60s 70s 80s and this was before cell phones or before you know people you know, it was before everyone had a camera and could capture everything. Um, you know, maybe there's five, like, let's say there's three or four um, point of view videos on the original Snow White at Magic Kingdom, like the original, original. But now, I mean, there's hundreds of point of view videos on every attraction. Oh, yeah. So is there going to be as much interest or intrigue in exploring these even 50 years from now, because there's just so much already on it. You know, there's so many articles being every attraction. There's always like a hundred articles and all these point of view videos and behind the scenes, whereas older stuff, it, that wasn't really the, always the case, you know? I, I hope so. I hope it's because of it's, it's all relative because I think today we look at the technology and we go, look, it's 4k. You've got 360 cameras. Like this has everything you're going to need. But let's imagine in 40 years, if, you know, your um, your uh, yesterworld idea comes to fruition and now you're putting on this headset with maybe a haptic feedback gloves and, you know, you're in this ride vehicle. And so you can experience some attractions where you're um, you're experiencing the sights and the sounds and the smells and everything. And then they go and they're like 4K video. That's it. That's all you have for, you know, this attraction. That's nothing. And so it might still have that same novelty that we have today where it's like, oh, look at this VHS rip. Somebody took their giant camcorder onto Horizons and got like a 480p video where back then they must have been like, oh, I never had this for adventure through inner space. This, oh, that's true. So I think I hope it's all relative. I mean, that is fully dependent on that technology continuing to evolve. If we stop where we are now, then, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty it's going to fall flat. Um, that always puts me in this kind of. um torn i don't know like i'm on the fence about it because on the one hand there is i think an allure to creating these videos of discovering all of it and you lose a bit of that when you can go well let me just download four 4k 360 videos about it you have everything you'll ever need but on the other hand from the historical perspective i'm like that's cool i love that people are capturing all this because i've covered plenty of topics from like how did nobody film this thing just once? Like, I, I wish somebody filmed it once. It makes and you want so, to pull your like, hair out. It's like, of all the hundreds of thousands of people that visit the parks, how did no one bring one. a camera? And of course, somebody probably did, and they just never thought to put right. it online anywhere. But like, so there's the there's the part of my brain that loves cataloging all this stuff. That's like, yeah, I love that technology is la- allowing more people to do more of that so that we can remember the parks more. True. Um, so it's like a, it's a little bit of both, I guess. Yeah, I was I was going to say that's kind of how I feel about um, I was doing research into like Haunted Mansion and there's like this effect in Magic Kingdom or it may or may not have existed. There's evidence of it on various documents and blueprints and stuff, but there's no video, no one, no photos, no video just because, you know, it was such a, if it was there, it would have been for like a few months, kind of like a hatbox ghost kind of thing. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's why I try to record everything. I, there's the part of my brain that's like, this might not be here tomorrow. And, you know, even if it's small and insignificant now, like I'm going to take B-roll of it. Cause who knows in 20 years might be like really nice to have. 
I see what you mean. So it's kind of like a, it's almost a bittersweet on the one hand. It's nice because it's more fun to explore those and try to find someone who had a footage or photo or video of it. Whereas at least even if, yeah, everything is explored now and there's coverage of everything, that brings a new kind of excitement to it because then you aren't going to have that, oh, I wonder if someone caught it. Like, you know someone caught it. If it becomes some kind of mysterious thing. When I find that perfect old footage of an event, it's like finding buried treasure. It's like, this is great. I've been searching for this thing. I finally found it. It's going to make the next two days of editing so much easier. Um, And while from that perspective, I build this library up so that in the future I have to do that less. You don't get that feeling of, I just found buried treasure. It's just more like, all right, well, I'm just going to pull this out of my library here and plug it into the video there. And, you know, so it takes a little bit from the process. But I think the end result, which is like capturing the history of these parks, it, it helps ultimately. So I'm like, I'm for it for those reasons. Well, that's exactly how I felt when um, with the Indiana Jones ice effect, because up until then, I'd only seen like one video of it and like one image. And because it was like one of my earlier videos and I, I probably went through every Indiana Jones point of view on the Internet and I was able to able to find another one that was even more clear that you could actually see it so much better. And I think I found two, actually. And that was like one of the best feelings was finding that, you know, this thing that people didn't know if there was footage of it. And I just went through a ton of like home videos that people uploaded and found a few of them. So those are the those are actually my favorite type of um, videos to do. And my favorite moments in the creative process is when you find that image, you find that video of whether it's an event or an effect or whatever that you know, either people didn't know existed, kind of like the Hatbox Ghost. Like, if that had been me, I think it was Disney History Institute um, who put out the video on it, and he was, like, the first one to ever find footage of the Hatbox Ghost, like, actual footage of it in the attraction. Like, that would have... I would have... That would have blown my mind to find (laughs) something like that. And I love making those discoveries. It's... It's... It's turned me into a bit of like a digital hoarder now where I'm just like, all right, save this, save this, save all of this thing. I don't have like regular – the big thing for me because like I've been focusing a lot on like these kind of events that Disney does outside of the parks. A lot of marketing stuff like Mm -hmm. when they like tie in a movie premiere, which I just did in New York or, you know, when they do like uh, marathon events. And so there's a lot of TV coverage and I don't have like – cable right now but there's a part of me that's like man i wish i had like some sort of capture setup you know tied into a television so anytime disney's mentioned on tv i just record a copy of it and just save it like the ultimate ultimate disney archivist uh just for all these even even though it's silly to sound like just for these youtube videos that uh, you know might be useful one day in the future no i totally agree and that's why i do that now where I have kind of built up my own little library of like footage of videos from like 1970s to 90s or whatever, just because you never know when a video is going to get pulled off YouTube. Maybe the owner decides, you know, because a lot of the stuff I do when I do make like the kind of discoveries that are really exciting, it's just someone who uploaded their one hour long trip video and they had no idea they captured the ice effect or, um, 
there's I can't think of any others, but there I've had those moments where it's like no one, you know, they didn't know what they had. And so and for all you know, they could pull it off YouTube the next day or Oh yeah. You know, so I always save everything I find that could remotely be of use, you know, like archival stuff or like the Yeti or any of those kind of things where for a time people didn't know if there was footage of it. And um, yeah, I've, that's why I have like a five terabyte RAID system. Oh, wow. Uh, in, in, addition to, in addition to edit. I mean, it's not like it's only for archival, but. Um, well, in my head canon, it is now only for the Disney archival stuff. It's just for that. Five terabytes only for Disneyland footage. Which is especially impressive because, you know, all of the older stuff on YouTube is always like 480p. So it's like 50 megabytes right. for an hour of footage and stuff. So it's it's really, that's a lot of footage. I'll have to calculate how because I do have um, more from like, I think the 60s, 70s, and 80s of Disneyland and Magic Kingdom where I just would download anything that was decent quality and that had, you know, interesting footage. And then whenever I'm doing a video that takes place around that time, I'll kind of quickly go through all of them again and be like, oh, I remember when I found this one shot. Um, I need to, like, actually categorize all of it so I don't have to go through every video every time and look for something again. You and I are living in the same exact uh, scenario right now. It's 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 almost eerie because it's a very similar thing where I've got like I have very sloppy folders where it's like, yeah. all right, this is Disney World, Disneyland, you know, Tokyo Disney. But like within it, it's just like, you know, video two dot MP4. And I'm like, all right, I need to sit down one day and just organize all of this stuff. Right. And just make it nice and orderly. And then in an ideal world, I'd love to go in and like clean it up and upscale it and color correct it and do whatever cropping needs to be done to like, right. you know, fix the blurs of all of the VHS rips and stuff like that and just make perfect pristine versions of them. But you know, that's one of those projects that's always like tomorrow. I'll do yeah. it tomorrow. Well, what I've started doing now is if I download a video and even if it doesn't have what I need or what I want, if I like I did this for the keel boats because I knew I w eventually wanted to do a video about keel boats. And so even though it was for a totally different subject, if I ever came across a video that had a shot of the keel boat, I would like download it and then put it in the file name so I could find it later. So I need to do that on a much bigger scale <laughs> where it's like, oh, there's a shot of the haunted mansion before it opened and then log that in or because um, just there, there's so much. And this is where I don't think we could be doing what we're doing even five, 10 years ago, where there's just so much random footage on YouTube of like theme park trips. Oh yeah. And, and they don't even, they don't know what, they just upload the whole raw thing and then you'll be going through it and you see that one moment or that one thing and you get all excited like, oh, they caught it and they don't even, they don't even know, they probably don't even care because it's not, you know, um, do you think there'll be a little less of that into the future now because so much of people's theme park experiences are going to be vlogs and so it's going to be like selfie shots and, and so they're, they're never going to have like the, the cool shots of things being built because they're just going to be right front and center in the camera the whole time. Mm -hmm. I think it's Which I say, by the way, as a, as a total hypocrite, because I do the same thing when I go to the parks, but I just think that'd be a funny future to run into. I think that will be an issue, but I also think the other thing is I think we'll have, I don't know, there's something about a fan, like, hold on. Oh, no. Hey. 
Your um, dog's named Frodo? Yeah. We, That's awesome. We got him last year. He's a Corgi Labrador. Oh, nice. And we're, we're, if we get another dog, we're going to name him Bilbo. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, I was going to say, I do think an issue will be, you know, let's say in the past, someone takes a camcorder to a theme park and they just record everything. You know, they're not thinking of putting it on YouTube, but now people film with that mentality. So there's going to be more editing involved. You know, it's not mm -hmm. going to be like these. I mean, half the stuff I find when I do find like in the Snow White video, I randomly found and it was like the only footage I could find of of the original Snow White at Disneyland of like people riding on the original ride vehicles. And it was just within like another random hour long trip video. But I think there's going to be less of that because I think when people film, it's for a specific reason, if that makes sense. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, it's for I'm an not, audience versus yeah. for, you know, just home movies for, you know, memories. Now, it could be wrong because obviously I'm not like a family man. I'm not a father because a lot of them are like, you know, the parents that just kind of they're on the family trip and they take everything and, you know, they don't have any purpose. They're just recording it and then they just upload it for their other friends and families to see. But I think we're going to see more like kind of self-editing where you're not going to have as much like raw hour long stuff that you can pour through and then randomly find that thing you're looking for. Cause I think when people film now, it's more for a specific reason, if that makes sense. Cause, yep. um, cause the quality's better. And I don't know, I feel like there's a different mindset now between, you know, in the day, it's like, if you brought a camcorder into the park, those 20 pound things, you're going to film everything and make it worth it. But now I feel like with phones and I don't know, you're, you're going to find more specific B-roll and stuff, but not as much of like the raw, unedited. Oh, yeah. And videos. I think, I mean, this might be going too far into it, but I mean, the technology wasn't around back then to edit as easily. Like, True. yeah, obviously yep. editing was around, but, you know, the the bomber dad with the 20 pound camcorder probably didn't have an <laughs> editing deck at home. So <laughs> right. it was just this is what we recorded. That's uh, I hadn't thought of that. Now, but that's a really now, good yeah, point. you can edit on your phone. There's yeah. I, I movie for, you know, your cell phone and you can cut things out. And, you know, people are recording. A lot of people are going to the parks and they're recording directly to these platforms True. as well. So that's another thing to consider is they might not even have a copy in the future because they just recorded right yeah. to Instagram or right to whatever. It There's is. no and tapes. So. There's no tapes that they edit yeah. it from. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause one example I like to bring up, I think it was around 2001. Um, it was in one of my videos, uh, where the Tiki room, uh, there used to be another Tiki goddess called Udi. It's either mm -hmm. Udi or Udi. And she was in the main a frame of the tiki room building if you look it up she was where like the barker bird used to sit okay but yeah. anyways in 2001 and it has to do kind of with the eisner era of them not taking care of um some of the maintenance stuff but the entire a-frame collapsed and um there's a few photos of it but if that had happened now there that's where there is a benefit oh, of yeah. people filming everything now whereas I looked through every video I could find from 2001 and I never found any footage of it. I found it like three or four photos, but if that happened now, oh man, it'd be on every YouTuber, you know, it just, it'd be everywhere. If like Instagram, a building collapsed. YouTube, oh, all over, yeah, all over the place and it would spread fast. If Haunted Mansion's like beam, I mean, it wasn't like a huge, huge accident, 
but it was enough to where nowadays that would be everywhere. Tiki room collapses. I almost died. <laughs> I was walking. You know, it's just like it would be in so many videos. So I guess that's the positive is that you'll get more of that. So you, you know, more archival footage of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's changing world. But it's I, gonna, I hopefully I won't be doing YouTube in like 30 years. So that I won't have to worry about it as much. True. But <laughs> uh, surely video will still be around and editing and all the rest of that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other topic for another. It's like the whole yeah. where YouTube's <laughs> going and all that stuff. But Oh, yeah. But anyways, I think it's probably about time to wrap, wrap it up since we've been... I think it's been like yeah. two hours. This has been fun. I it's funny. We spoke a lot about Pandora more than I, I think I've ever spoken about Pandora before, and it's given me some new um, perspective on the place. Well, same here, yeah. Like you you uh, have a nice habit of bringing up all like perspective like I'd never thought of that idea that back in, in the day you didn't really have a way to edit your footage unless you had like a moviola or whatever. Whereas now you do it on your phone, so then you're not gonna upload the original. So I, I never thought of that, but that's so true. And I had, I used to have to edit VHS. Uh, when I was in film school, one of the projects we had to do was we had to edit a project just using a VHS deck. And it was the worst editing experience of mine. I'll cut eight millimeter film any day over editing on VHS. So even if the tech was around, I can't imagine many families like taking the time to do that sort of editing. It is, it is the worst. That's the one thing. And, film school like i don't know why but they never had us do that in any of the classes for whatever reason because i always wanted to cut on film or cut actual film and they never had us do that and it was that's an it's experience cool. i want to have it's cool it's like novel and then that's it there's definitely the moment where i was like wow people did this for entire <laughs> movies that's amazing i don't really want to do this for longer than five minutes right. i'm cool with all this technology um, but like VHS should never, we need to just forget that ever happened. Just, just recording between the two decks is the worst thing in the world. Well, that's kind of why I almost understand some of the resentment of the older editors that, Oh, for we, sure. I mean, I would, if I, if half of my career was just doing it all by hand and all that painstaking work, and then kids of this generation are just doing it on their phones um, but I think the key is to at least appreciate where it came from, whereas a lot of yeah. people don't even understand how crazy it is that you can do that on your phone and not have this like million dollar setup at a studio, literally cutting and splicing and gluing. And um, but I understand the resentment when you hear from older editors of how easy we have it, because we really do in a lot of even with YouTube, we're not having to go through actual libraries. You know, you can like we were talking about newspapers online, you know, you can do so much you can do online that you would have had to go to like physical libraries and oh, pour yeah. through hundreds of journals. And, but anyways, I uh, really appreciate you coming on and having this little discussion. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. This was, was a lot to, of fun. It was fun to actually sit down and cause, and uh, like actually talk, talk about <laughs> stuff. Cause I've always, you know, I've heard cause you do stuff with Kevin. And so I was always curious to hear more of your side of, um, Opinions. Yeah, I know Kevin was on the last episode and I was about to come on and like just try and say the opposite of everything he said to keep our fake rivalry going. Um, but no, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. And you have a very open I like because there are a lot of people that don't. I try to stay in the middle, but I appreciate that you have a very open minded 
aspect and a very optimistic, which is rare in theme park history people or theme park um, fanatic or whatever you want to call it, you know, um, that uh, yeah, the glass, like you said, the, the glass fandom. is half full um, optimism. And I, it's, it's refreshing to not always have uh, everyone or someone who's just like, oh, this is a horrible decision. This is an awful decision. Because we never know, you know, for yeah. maybe the new Guardians ride at Epcot will be the most amazing experience in the history of theme parks. Who knows? We'll we'll see. And according to some commenters, that means I'm paid by Disney. So Bob Iger, if you're hearing this, um, I'm still waiting for my check. It would be real nice right about you're now. You're a shill. They call them shills. <laughs> yeah. I've, I have often been called a shill and I was like, hey. I, I already speak highly of Disney and I do it without them paying me. I'll gladly take their check if they want to send me one, but they they apparently don't. So I guess I, I guess I, I don't get but, I don't get that benefit. But that's what a shill would say. So they're <laughs> that that's, that's what a shill would say. Who knows? All right, all right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed our little discussion, and I'll see you all next time on Yesterworld. <laughs>